<laughs> well, good morning, Mission View Church. My name is Andrew Boring. I am the pastor of student ministries here at Mission View. And man, what a Sunday this is so far. Um, such a joy to be a part of this, seeing all these kids come up front and just sing their hearts out to God, right? And to dance for God and, and the way that they're just worshiping Him uh, is so incredible. And I love it because it shows us that the church is all ages, right? And it shows us uh, the importance of children's ministry, the importance of BBS. Um, if you served at BBS this past week, thank you for doing that. If you were a part of it in any way, the impact that you made for the kingdom of God and the lives of these kids is something that we can't quantify. It is something that is so beautiful and so amazing. And as, as Stephanie said, some of these kids heard the gospel for the very first time this past week, um, and their life is forever changed now. And many of these kids, all of these kids, did hear the gospel preached, and the Holy Spirit was working in their hearts. And it was just a truly an amazing week, and obviously a lot of fun too, seeing them sing, seeing them dance, and uh, even us crew leaders and everyone else who served, uh, getting a little um, dancing along with them and looking a little funny, but it is all worth it, right? It was amazing. But the reason why this past week at DBS was so amazing is because the gospel was preached. The gospel of Jesus Christ was shared. And this morning, we're also going to be looking at how the gospel is shared, but just in a little bit of a different way. We're at the end of our sermon series called We Believe. And really, the past few weeks, we've been going through just the core doctrinal beliefs of Mission View Church, what we hold on to, and many of these, really just what it means to be a true Christian, right? We talked about the Trinity, we talked about the resurrection, who Jesus is, who God is, all of these things that are so fundamental to what we believe, and that really are the reason why we have so much hope and joy. And we've been going through those seven points on our church's website under the Our Beliefs page. And up until this point, we actually kind of covered all of those. So the very bottom of that page on our church's, our belief page on the website is actually our church's belief on communion or the Lord's Supper and baptism. And that is actually what we're going to be talking about this morning is, is what are these ordinances or sacraments? sacraments. Uh, at Mission View Church, we call them ordinances, but if you've heard them called sacraments, please don't let that language confuse you. We're talking about the same thing. And we believe that there are two. Baptism and communion that are given to us by Christ that he calls us to partake in. And these practices serve as public reminders of what God has done and what God is doing. And they are absolutely beautiful, right? Baptism is absolutely beautiful. Communion is absolutely beautiful. If you've been part of Mission View Church for some time, you're probably familiar with Celebration Sundays. Right? And I don't know about you, but really every Sunday is a celebration Sunday, right? We get to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ uh, with the body of, of believers, and it's amazing every time we can gather and do this. But on those, those Sundays that just are a little bit more special in our hearts, right? Maybe we have the baptismal up here and people are getting baptized, and it's amazing. Or we take communion, we take the bread and the cup. Or maybe it's baby dedications that Sunday. Right? And we, we have families and, and new parents or parents of a new baby come up here and they dedicate their baby to the church. Right? They're asking us to help them raise their son or daughter in the ways of the Lord. 
or it's new members, right? New members joining our church saying, yes, I want to, to fall under the authority of a local church and follow Christ in that way so that I can be, have, have other people come around me and help me grow in my faith, right? All of these things are amazing things and these make for amazing Sundays when we do things like this. And there are a lot of reasons why we can love them, right? They're different. The structure's a little different. Maybe you see somebody you know, a family member, a friend, up front, right? T today, we had all these kids singing. It makes it so special and so fun. But there's something just a little bit more special about these ordinances. There's something just a little bit more awe-inspiring in us when we see baptisms, when we are baptized, when we take communion. It's not like, baptism is not like just going for a dip in the pool, right? It's so much deeper and more significant than that. Communion is nothing like eating bread at a restaurant. They're entirely different. These are holy moments. They're holy moments. They're, they're moments in time that make us reflect and make us think. John Calvin, the famous reformer, uh, said this about 500 years ago. He said that he would rather experience the ordinances rather than explain them. Right? He would rather see baptisms. He would rather be baptized. He would rather take communion than, than explain what the Holy Spirit is doing in us when we do these things. Right? Because these are holy moments. These are significant moments. And I think, really, one of the main reasons for that is because, man, when we, when we see these ordinances, when we are baptized or witness baptisms or take communion, I think our hearts are just a little bit more prepared. I think we're just a little bit more reflective. We're a little bit more open to the Holy Spirit working in our hearts, convicting us, growing us, challenging us. And it is an amazing opportunity for us to grow when we take things like communion. We grow spiritually in our hearts and closer to Christ. Both of these ordinances hinge on our union with Christ. Right? Baptism is a, is a visible demonstration and declaration of what the gospel is, right? When we are dipped under the water, that symbolizes our death with Christ on the cross. And then we're pulled out to new life with him, symbolizing his resurrection and our resurrection as well. They're amazing moments, and they point to what Christ has done for us. And when, even when we take communion, God is communing with us in a very intimate spiritual way. But when we take communion, it's pointing to something, right? It's pointing to something so much deeper than maybe we would originally think of. This past uh, June, Ignite Student Ministries went on two different missions trips, and uh, they were amazing opportunities. Our kids loved them. Our kids served, and they grew. And on the first missions trip that we were on, uh, there was one night some of our kids listened to this song, and it kind of got stuck in their head. And I heard of murmurs of that song the rest of the week, but not, not too much. And then we got back from that trip. We were here for a week, and then we went to our second missions trip to Camp Echoing Hills. And when we were at Camp Echoing Hills, oh my goodness, this song became like the theme song of the week. It was sung every day. It was sung all the time. One of our kids even sang it. Um, they sang it during a meal in front of all the campers, and we were all singing it and dancing, and the song was Waka Waka by Shakira. If you know that song, Super, super catchy. Man, it was, we were singing it all the time. And, and honestly, it was stuck in my head for about two weeks after the mission trip too. 
Um, and I think most of our kids would agree that it's still in their head, especially right now. <laughs> You're welcome. But they would sing this song all the time, and I would sing it all the time. And I'd walk by them as they're painting this fence for the camp. And you know what they're doing? Waka waka, hey hey, and they're painting this fence. Or they're, they're teaching th these campers uh, how to shoot a bow and arrow at archery. And as they're doing it, they're, they're murmuring waka waka, right? And it's just, it, was, it became this fun thing for our group the entire week. And now when I hear that song, Waka Waka, I think of something so much more impactful and deeper than what that song is saying in a different language, right? I'm thinking of our kids serving. Anytime I hear that, that song, I'm reminded of Camp Echoing Hills and how our kids gave up a week of their summer to show these kids the love of Christ and to serve this camp in an amazing way. That song points me to something deeper. And these ordinances point us to something so much deeper. So much deeper. The cup points us to the blood of Christ shed for us. The bread reminds us that his flesh was broken for us and baptism is a picture of the gospel. And it needs to be preached to us all the time because we're forgetful people. So these ordinances are holy moments where God is working in our hearts and he's growing us into, the, into be more like Christ. He's touching our hearts. So this morning, we're going to be looking at what these ordinances are a little bit more. And then we're going to talk about communion in particular. We're not really going to talk about baptism too much just for the sake of time. But what would you pray with me before we dive into our text for today? Father, you are such a good God. Thank you for uh, just what you're doing here at Mission View Church. Thank you for what you're doing in your church globally. The people are coming to know you of all ages, even those who are five years old, seven years old, through VBS at different churches throughout the country and in Mission View Church. We're so blessed to be a part of that. And Lord, I pray that you would prepare our hearts now as we think a little bit more deeply about what these ordinances are. And we think a little bit more about what you're doing in our hearts when we take these and how they are so good for us just to be reminded of your goodness and your love for us that is so undeserved and we're so thankful for. Be with us this morning and touch our hearts as we dive into this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the book of Acts, Jesus ascends into heaven and then the 12 apostles go out and they preach the gospel all throughout the world in, in the, the, the ancient Near East area. And uh, Peter in Acts chapter 10, receives this vision from the Lord. And what he really learned from this vision was that the gospel is for all people, right? It's not only for the Jews, it's not only for those who have been following the Old Testament law, but it's for anyone who believes, which at this time was a big question. They didn't know if they had to follow these Jewish practices to be saved. But Peter sees from God in this vision that it's for everybody, right? They don't have to follow these practices. And as soon as he hears that, he goes and starts preaching the gospel to all of these Gentiles, which is great news because, you know, if you're not Jewish, you're a Gentile. It's probably most of us. That's me, right? So he goes and he preaches to all of these people the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he shows them so clearly that, man, our sin separates us from God. He shows us, he shows them and us today that Jesus lived this perfect life that we could never live. That he died on the cross taking upon himself all of our sin, all of your sin, all of my sin. When he didn't deserve to do that at all. And he bore the wrath of God 
which should have been given to you and I for what we have chosen to do and sin against the Lord. But he defeated death and rose from the dead so that we might know him and have a relationship with him and be saved by him. And, and Peter explains the gospel to him like this, and, and it's this beautiful truth that is so important for us today as well. And then it says this in Acts 10, 44. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed, because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And they asked him to remain for some days. What I want us to see from, from these verses is that these ordinances, baptism and communion, they are for our sanctification, not our salvation. Right? They are for our sanctification. They help us grow more like Christ grow in our faith. They're really good for us spiritually, but they do not save us. And this is a very important thing for us to be reminded of as we see that it doesn't save us, and also that we see that, man, it has a very important purpose for us. It helps us grow into the image of Christ. So what's happening in this text? The Holy Spirit, God himself, was poured out on all of these Gentiles, right? And they're permanently indwelled by the Holy Spirit. And this doesn't just this doesn't happen to people who are not saved. These people clearly come to faith in Jesus Christ. They hear the gospel. They recognize that they are a sinner that needs saved, and they see what Jesus has done for them, and their hearts are just craving to know more of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit fills them, and they are saved. But it's crazy because, you know, they didn't get their life together first, right? They didn't follow the Old Testament laws like everyone thought they had to up until this point. They were still in the mess. They were still living their lives in a way that was totally opposed to what God was calling them to do. But God gave them so much grace. And he gives us that grace as well. And it's super important that they were, to see that they were saved and then they were baptized. Right, baptism came after they were already saved. And once Peter sees that they're saved, he, he says, get some water, right? Let's baptize these, baptize these brothers and sisters. Baptism doesn't save us, but it points us to the person who does. Right, when we see a road sign that says Cleveland in 40 miles, we don't assume that we're in downtown Cleveland where we are. Right, we know that the sign is pointing us to where the city actually is. Baptism points us to the work that the Holy Spirit has already done in us when we first put our faith in Christ. So baptism and communion, they help us grow in our faith. They help us be sanctified. And what saves us is really we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says this very clearly. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is a gift of God, not the result of work so that no one may boast. And this is great news because we can't do anything to earn our salvation. It's been given to us by Jesus Christ. So these things are not necessary for salvation. However, Jesus commands us to do them, right? So there's something about them that is important for us, that is good for us, that we need. And whenever we choose not to keep the ordinances, not to be baptized, not to take communion, 
we are disobeying what Christ has commanded us to do, right? That can be a sin because he's told us to keep these things. The Great Commission in Matthew 28 tells us to be baptized. 1 Corinthians 11 that we'll look at in a little bit more today tells us to take communion. But these ordinances sanctify us by drawing us to submit ourselves to the authority of Christ. Right? They help us recognize that, wow, we need a Savior. Wow, look at what it cost Jesus for him to save me. Look at how undeserving I was for that first beginning. And that should just leave us in awe and make us want to know more of who our God is. To serve him and to love him. There is nothing magical about the water and baptism of the bread or juice in communion. But these ordinances are meant to function as a visible symbol of a, of a deeper, invisible reality. Right? It is a picture of our identity in Christ. It's kind of like a wedding ring. Right? We, we wear these when we are married uh, as a visible symbol to proclaim the invisible reality of our marriage. Right? And so often I think God gives us the blessings in life and he uses the blessings in life to kind of sanctify us, to kind of grow us, to show us where we need to grow. And marriage is definitely one of those things. I've only been married for a little over three years, but man, being married has shown me more areas of my life where I'm a sinner. Right? And I think that all of us can agree with that. And I don't have kids yet, but I've heard that when you have kids, you see that even more clearly. Right? You're like, man, stop doing that, right? And it shows us maybe our impatience or our pride or whatever it might be, but it's a blessing. These things are blessings, but they, they sanctify us. Driving is the same thing. Driving in a car is a blessing, right? We can get places so much faster, but maybe they sanct- it sanctifies us, right? We, we have to, like, not get too angry with road rage or things like that. So often it's the blessings in life that help us grow in our faith. But we should want to keep these ordinances because they do help us grow in our faith. In many ways, they serve as milestones in our walk with God. Really, they are milestones. Like, I remember who baptized me when I was younger. I remember where I was when I was baptized. I remember what God was doing in my life when I was baptized. And all of these things are important because what that does, whenever we, we go through hard seasons in our, in our life, hard seasons in our faith, and we're struggling, we're struggling with something, we're like, God, where are you? Baptism, communion, these ordinances, they give us something to look back to and to see how God was faithful then and how he will be faithful in the future. God knows that we need this. That's why he commands us to keep it. To help us remember. Right? Communion helps us remember. This is the second point. Communion helps us remember. And helps us remember many things. 1 Corinthians 11, 23-26 says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread... And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Right? Jesus here tells us, do this in remembrance of of me. This remembering aspect is so crucial and so important. And really, I think we do forget it. We do forget it. But there are so many things here that we are to remember. First off, we are to remember God's faithfulness. 
we are to remember God's faithfulness when we take communion. When Jesus first took communion with his disciples uh, on the night he was betrayed and right before he was crucified on a cross, the communion that they were taking was actually, they were taking this Passover meal. They were celebrating Passover together, which really finds its roots in Exodus chapter 12. And if you remember much about the book of Exodus, Israel was, was, uh, they were slaves in Egypt and God was freeing them from Pharaoh and Egypt and the 10 plagues happened to show Pharaoh, hey, let my people go, let them go worship me. And it was the 10th plague that was the death of the firstborn. And it was a terrible plague, right? It's absolutely terrible. That the firstborn in each family, the firstborn livestock would die. And that was what the plague was. And that was the plague that actually let Pharaoh let the Israelites go. But Israel was saved from this plague. They were saved by taking a pure, spotless lamb, right? And sacrificing this lamb and putting the blood of the lamb on their doorposts so that their house would be passed over and they would be saved. And as Jesus is taking this this Passover meal and and instituting communion with his disciples, they're looking at this and seeing the, the faithfulness of God. Right, they're looking at this and like, wow, God was so faithful for us in, in Egypt. Look at what God did for us. But at the same time, Jesus is taking this and he's like, God is so faithful. And he's holding on to this piece of bread, knowing that, wow, when he breaks this, that's symbolizing what's going to happen to his body in less than 24 hours. Some heavy, heavy things that must be going on in Jesus' mind as he's taking this they're still looking, looking back at the faithfulness of God. Because God is faithful. And yes, we do have struggles in life. But Jesus rescues. And yes, that is a shout out to VBS this past week. That was the call and response. But really, it's so true, right? We teach our kids these things, but it's so good for us too. And there's so much value in it to remember that really Jesus doesn't just rescue kids. He rescues us. And he rescues us out of the pain that we have in life. Because there are times where we are blinded by pain or stress or anxiety and we feel overwhelmed and alone. And in those moments, it can be hard for us to, to feel like God is faithful. Right? I, I, and I think it's fair to say that Jesus probably was struggling with that in his mind, right? He's, he's, as he's instituting communion here, he's looking back to the faithfulness of God and thinking forward to what's going to happen to him in just a matter of hours. And it's crazy. knows what it's like when we, when we have those feelings, where we, where we maybe doubt his faithfulness, right? He has gone through all the temptations that we have faced as well. The bread of life was broken, the blood was spilled, but the tomb is empty, right? There is so much hope, and we take communion knowing that he will return. Communion also helps us remember our need Right? It helps us remember the need that we have for Jesus. The need we have to be saved from our sin that is literally weighing us down so much more than we could ever imagine or really think about. It is crazy the need that we had for Jesus and how we were, we were helpless. We, were, we couldn't do anything on our own. As humans, we have so many different needs, right? Food, water, shelter, relationships. But our biggest need is for Christ. Com- taking communion reminds us that each time that we, we think about 
our need for Jesus, right? We need to be thinking about it even more and more, right? We shouldn't just think about it just on Sundays or once a month when we, we at Mission View Church do communion once a month, but we should be thinking about what Jesus did for us all the time because it helps us grow, right? When we think about what it cost Jesus when he was perfect and, and he is God and he did nothing wrong, man, it should bring us to our knees. And we should be weeping, right? Not, not weeping tears of sorrow, but tears of joy. That someone loves you that much that he died for you. And he died for me. Knowing the worst sins that we've ever committed that we won't even confess to anyone else. Jesus knows those and he still said, I love you and I want you. And I want you to know me. And I've saved you. Right? God made a way. Jesus made a way. And we were so undeserving. The crazy thing is, most of us really struggle to accept big gifts, right? Maybe we're okay with if someone gives us a small gift, we're like, oh, thank you. But if it's a really big gift, we struggle, right? Like, if you were gifted a brand new car, I'd imagine that most of us would be like, man, man, that's awesome, but I don't know if I can take that, right? That gift is just so, so big. And maybe we take it, maybe we don't. But then we look at the gift that Christ gives us, and so often we don't even really think about it that much. We're like, yes, I'll take it. That's great, Right? And we should take it. It's free. We are always in deserving. Jesus made the way for us to, to be saved in himself. But man, do we think about what it cost him? Do we realize that a gift of a car is so much in, more insignificant than the gift that Jesus did for us and who he is when we put our faith in him? Right? We cannot forget this. We should be moved every time we take communion. The Bible, the word of God, nourishes our soul. God uses these ordinances to nourish us, refresh us, strengthen us, gladden our hearts. And he knows that we need this because we really are forgetful people. Right? We can read through the Old Testament and look at the nation of Israel, and it's, it's kind of funny in a way you can look at it and be like, man, they forget who their God is like every three seconds. Right? You ever, you ever read the Old Testament thinking that? It's like, God just saved you out of Egypt, and now you're complaining about not having food in the desert? Do you not think that God's going to provide for you? And we can be so critical of them for forgetting who their God is every three seconds. But we are no different. We forget who our God is every three seconds. And God knows that we need to be reminded of this routinely all of the time. And that's why he tells us, do this regularly. Take communion regularly because you need to be reminded. Yes, you know this truth, but this truth is so deep and so beautiful. And it deserves for us to be reflecting upon it all of the time. It's amazing. Communion shows us our need, but it comp it's complemented by showing us the grace of God, showing us Jesus' sacrifice, that someone had to pay the punishment for our sin. And it should be us, but Jesus saved us from that. Communion also helps us remember our unity and our union with Christ, right? That we are united to Christ, and, and through Christ, we have so much unity within the body of Christ, Right? As a church, as fellow believers, we have so much in common, so much unity. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. Right? We come from different walks of life, different ages, different backgrounds, different preferences. But there is nothing that unites people like Jesus unites people. There is nothing that brings unity like Christ's sacrifice on the cross for us. If you helped out with VBS this past week, 
Um, a lot of the crafts we had to do required super glue. And if you're anything like me, the last time you did crafts with kids was last year's VBS, <clears throat> um, which is a recipe to get super glue all over your hands. And some of the kids in my group got it on their hands too, and I was like, sorry guys, right? And, and they go to the bathroom and we try to get it off and you're like, all right, it's good, it's good. And you can't move your fingers because they're stuck. But even glue, the strongest glue, paint, getting paint stains, even good welds, right? Nothing binds things together like Christ. We have so much in common with each other because of what Jesus has done for each and every one of us. And one of the ways that God uses communion to remind us of his goodness and his love and his grace is really by engaging all of our senses. Seriously, we are, we are sensory people, and I think we, we think this about children, but we, even as big kids, are also like and remember things when we touch them, when we see them, when we feel them, when we taste them. And God knows that. God knows that that helps us remember. About a week ago, I had the, the blessing to go back to this trailer that my family has in West Virginia, and I haven't been there in years. And I walked in the door of this trailer on this mountain and uh, got that old trailer smell when no one lives there year-round, right? And you get that smell, and you're like, oh, yes, I remember this. And you walk in, and I saw all the couches and this chair and this big window, and these memories started coming back of my grandpa sitting in that chair telling me stories and time there with my family, right? Things that I haven't thought about in years because I smelled what the trailer smelled like, and I touched the couch, and I saw it. God knows that we, we use our senses to help us remember. When we take communion, we're engaging all of our senses. And it really does help us remember and think about and meditate on what God has done for us. And it is a beautiful thing. Communion also convicts us to repent. Communion convicts us to repent. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty seven continues and it says, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judge ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. Remembering the cross as we take communion should convict us, right? And what this, this, these verses show us is that there is a proper way to take communion and an improper way to take communion. The improper way to take communion is when we don't examine ourselves before doing it. When we don't take the time to think and reflect about what we have done, right? We don't take the time to think about what we did today, yesterday, this past week, this past month. We don't repent of our sin. We don't think about what it cost Jesus and what this truly means. That is the unworthy way of taking communion, right? So communion is this opportunity for us to repent. And I think repentance, sometimes that comes off to us as this mean word. We're like, man, that's a, that's a mean word. But it is a gracious word, right? It's turning, it's like doing a 180. It's turning completely around, right? We're, we're facing sin and it's turning back to God with his arms wide open to us seeing the love and grace of God. Repentance really is a gift that we're able to do. And it is so important for us to do it and use communion as this opportunity 
to say, God, I'm so sorry for what I did, and I know that I'm forgiven because of your son. And I thank you for your love and grace. Verse 29 adds that we're to discern the body. And I think what this means is we're supposed to discern the body of Christ, right? That, that reflecting, that repenting, that thinking about Jesus' sacrifice in our place. But we are also the body of Christ as the church. And I think also what this is saying is that we're supposed to use communion as an opportunity to remember that, man, we're supposed to be united. We're supposed to be unified to go make disciples in this world and share the gospel that changes lives and gives us hope, right? It doesn't fix all of our situations, but it gives us hope in someone who has overcome the world. And I think that it, it, it's telling us here to make sure that we use this time of re reflection and, and repenting to maybe use it as a reminder that, man, if there's somebody in our church, in the church, that we have a grudge against, something like that, man, after service, we need to go talk, we need to go apologize, or need to, we need to work through that. We need to, to grow in the unity in that way. But one of the beautiful things is that we are never truly worthy of taking communion. Right? It says do this in a worthy way, not an unworthy way. And if we think we're, we're worthy to take communion, we're actually unworthy. And if we think that we are unworthy to take communion, we probably actually are worthy because Christ makes us worthy. It's just so beautiful. But sometimes we don't take the time to reflect and repent like we should. Sometimes we just speed through life and we, we miss out on this opportunity that God knows we need, right? That's why he's instituting these things for us to do. And then when we do that, I think we treat God like he's small. We treat God like he's just kind of in this corner, like he's not this big God. And really, we're making light of the seriousness of our fallen sinful state and how we deserve to be separated from God for eternity. And we make light of the miraculous love and grace that God gives us. We treat God like he's small when we make light of these ordinances. When we think, yeah, Jesus tells us to be baptized, but you know, I don't, I've been a Christian for years. I don't really know if I want to get baptized. I don't see why I need to. Christ calls us to be baptized. Right? It's a public demonstration of what he's done in your life. It's for you, but it's also for the church, man. That, that, it builds unity in our church when we see brothers and sisters publicly showing everybody that they're saved that Jesus has changed their lives. Sometimes we make light of communion by not ref reflecting and repenting and thinking about what it cost Jesus. But maybe that's not you. Maybe you actually see the, the, these amazing holy moments that these ordinances are. But sometimes we treat God like he's small by reading a, a verse in the morning, maybe a paragraph in our Bible, saying that same 10-word prayer that you pretty much have memorized. You know, that you don't even really think through. You're like, yes, I check my spiritual box for the day and I go about life. Sometimes we, we accidentally get there in our spiritual life and in our rhythm. Right? Listen, we all have moments like this from time to time. But so often we treat God like he's small. And when we do that, we are actually saying that we think that we know what is best for us. And communion gives us an opportunity to reflect and to repent, and to remember what he's done for us. We really should not be taking communion without weeping, without God stirring in our hearts saying, yes, you've made mistakes, but look at my son. Look at what I've done for you. Look how much I love you. The Holy Spirit is working in our hearts in these moments, and he's growing us to be more like his son. So this morning, we're going to take communion together. But before we do so, I just want to give you a couple moments just to reflect.
to repent, to cry out to God, and to praise him for his love for us. You also might want to begin opening the communion cup if it's really hard. We do believe that these ordinances are for believers. So if you have not put your faith in Christ, we ask that you abstain from taking communion. But if you're a Christian, then please take communion. And if you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, but this morning God is just working in your heart and you believe, please take communion with us this morning. Jesus said this in Matthew 26, 26 to 29. Now as they were eating, eating this Passover meal, this communion, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Let's take the bread together. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood, the blood of my covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. Let's take the cup. Father, we thank you so much that you are such a good God, that you know what we need more than we know what we need. And we thank you that you would love us so much, that you would save us when we could do nothing to earn it, nothing we can't do anything to earn it. We've done nothing for you at all. And we were, when we were in the midst of our sin, you saved us. And you died on the cross for us. And we are so thankful for all that you have done for us. Lord, I pray that we just, you would continue to work in our hearts and, and grow us more into the image of your son. And that we would just go out into our communities and make disciples. Right? And we would be so filled with, with who you are, Lord, that we would just not keep it quiet. We would just want everybody to know the joy and the love that you have for them. And that you are the way, the truth, and the life, and that you save us. Thank you so much for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you need prayer for anything, uh, we do invite you to come up during this song or after this song. And if we could have some elders or prayer members uh, come forward. If you need prayer for anything, we would love to pray with you.